Hello, you are listening to Bad Dylan. We got another juicy episode for you here. We're about to get saved by the blood of the lamb. I just want to do a quick plug for our Patreon page. If you subscribe, you'll be supporting this podcast, and we're posting some delectable bonus content up there. You can check that stuff out at patreon.com slash baddylanpodcast. Also, if you're interested in following us on social media, we'd love that. You can do that. There's links to those things in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And here is a deeply confusing and poorly executed sermon that Bob Dylan attempted at one of his shows on the Saved Tour. Bon appetit! I just can't seem to love my enemy. That's a tough thing to do, you know. That's, just, that's an impossible thing to do, actually. Because a natural mind, you know, can't comprehend that. So if you're in the natural mind, you just can't comprehend loving your enemy. That seems like a foolish thing to do, and it is. However, the supernatural mind can comprehend that. Actually, I'm going to tell you the story. We were playing in, in uh, about four months ago someplace. It was at a college uh, campus. I forget exactly where. It was uh, Arizona, I think it was someplace. Is that where it was? Or, were you there? Oh, all right. Anyway, I read the Bible a lot, you know, I mean, it's just what it just happens I do. And, uh, you know, at universities, they're, you know, it's like they have a higher learning people there. Uh, they teach them different, like philosophies. And so people, they, they study all these different philosophies. You know, Plato and, and uh, uh, who else now? Well, I can't remember all the names different. Nietzsche and those people like that. Anyways, in the Bible it has specific, uh, it, it's, it tells you specific things. And uh, then there's another country called, I uh, can't remember what the name of it is, but it's in the eastern part of the world. And I've been reading all kinds of books my whole life. Uh, magazines, books, or whatever I could get my hand on anywhere. And I've really never, never found any truth in any of them, if you want to know the truth. But, if there was one, that's right. No, I don't know. There wasn't 50,000. There was, I don't know, maybe 3,000. They all just booed, you know, like they usually do. They don't like them, just booed it. And there was a whole auditorium of people just, I said, Russia's going to attack the Middle East, and they went, ooh. Anyway, the Antichrist is going to be a little bit, a little bit different than that. Evidently, he's going to bring peace to the world for, for a certain length of time. But... He will eventually uh, be defeated too. Supernaturally defeated. Hello! You're listening to Bad Dylan, a podcast about really bad Bob Dylan albums. Every day for a week we subject ourselves to one abomination of a Bob Dylan record and then discuss our thoughts. I am Nicholas Naoti. I'm Matt Lawhead. And I'm Justin Hickerson. And we are your humble hosts. Um, if you're not a true Dylan head, you might not have known that he had a brief stint about 20 years into his career where he suddenly became a devout Christian. He released three explicitly Christian albums, the second of which is the topic of today's podcast. Today, 
My brothers and sisters and siblings in Christ, we are talking about the album Saved from 1980. This is the peak of Bob Dylan's brown nosing, sucking up to a supreme being. It is unmistakably a gospel album, overtly preachy at all times. Rolling Stone's Kurt Loder said that this album is bereft of the rhythmic exuberance that has always characterized this artist's best work. The songs themselves are graceless and chilly in their self-righteous certitude. Bob Dylan, whose search for modern moral connections once summed up an entire generation, had found the answer, Repent, for the end is near. In this album, Bob is prophesying a grand day of judgment, and of course it's coming soon where men will beg God to kill them and they won't be able to die. This this album album is completely devoid of any nuance or subtlety. Church is fully in session, and for better or worse, the preacher is Bob Dylan. This is Christian music. And Matt and Justin, are you ready to meet Jesus? Yes. I am I am ready. Just right out of the gate, what what do you guys think of this album, Saved? Um boy, it was not subtle and <laughs> it for me was immediately forgettable as well. It was it was certainly an enthusiastic effort. As a, as we all recall from our our time with uh, down in the groove on the previous episode, there there was a very real lack of uh, even feeling like he was trying. Where in this album, despite its cheesy and hokey content, Bob Dylan and his and his entire band are very very earnest and enthusiastic in the delivery of this uh, this fine contemporary christian album yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes i did find that at least refreshing was everyone bob and all the singers knew the words and how to play the (laughs) songs and there was a nice contrast from down in the groove for sure yeah i'm curious that because this is totally a gospel album and it's just banging you in the fucking head with with preachiness at all moments. I'm just wondering if anybody heard this album in 1980 and decided to become a Christian. (laughs) Like was Bob Dylan, the person who convinced anyone to become a Christian? (laughs) Well, I think the answer, I think we all know the answer is at least a handful of people and they are the fanatical Bob Dylan fans, I'm guessing. But, but I also wondered if that, if this would it be this album that changed or the first Christian album? Like, would the big Dylan heads have converted at the first sign of him turning Christian, or did they wait for Save to be like, oh, no, this he's for real? Well, I think Slow Train Coming came out, and you can tell that it's like it's about God, pretty obviously. It's got some it's spiritualism. to Christ. It's kind it's of a spiritual preachy. album. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And then Saved came next, and it was just like, bonk you in the head, poke you in the eyes, kick you in the balls, fully Christian at all moments. Yes. Very self-righteous. Yeah, there's nothing, everything down from the cover of the album, which uh, there were actually two, but the the original one is, you know, the classic giant white hand of God reaching down 
to a bunch of white <laughs> open hands. <laughs> yeah. Seemingly drowning hands. And, yeah, uh, yeah and we the, need to talk about the, the album art. It's very, <laughs> very unappealing. <laughs> yes, unappealing is a good word for it. There's no, there is, as you mentioned earlier, no, no allusions to it. He is not trying in any way, shape, or form to uh, be abstract in his uh, in his newfound uh, Christianness. It, in that way, it's kind of the perfect image to represent this album because it's like pedestrian and shitty. It looks like it's drawn in crayons, uh, <laughs> but it's also overtly preachy, which is kind of exactly what this album is. Yeah, he really did throw away all poetry, every sort of uh, uh, tool he used that he was so good at to put words together in a thought-provoking way, and he went total cliche gospel uh, for this. Inside the sleeve of the vinyl, there's a really irrelevant Bible quote, isn't there? Yes, a completely irrelevant Bible quote. I'm I'm holding a copy of of the album right here, and on the inside inner paper sleeve, uh, it's uh, the very very tip top. The very first thing you see is Jeremiah chapter thirty one. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And this was important to Bob for some reason. <laughs> yeah, really inspiring stuff. I think he might have just opened up the Bible. <laughs> yeah, just picked out the the first Bible verse that he pointed his finger down to. <laughs> A lot of the stuff that bugs me about this album isn't specifically this album, but more how Christianity is practiced here in the West. Is they mention Israel in places over in the Middle East. Uh, but yet the cover is still white people on the cover and stuff. Uh, they know where they know where all this stuff originated, and they know like how Israel is supposed to be God's people. But here we are in the U.S. with our white guy in the clouds. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just don't understand where <clears throat> when we whitewashed him. We cannot exclude mentioning there is a single brown hand. Uh, in the album cover, oh, uh, but there? I, be- it's, I believe it's a very light brown. Yeah, though. I believe that would have been obligatory. Oh, you're <laughs> yeah. right. Oh, yeah, now yeah. that I'm looking, you're absolutely to represent. Right. You know, he's reaching down to save everyone in the world. All these white hands and even brown, <laughs> even people. one brown person, <laughs> even one, brown. even brown people from a different country can be saved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is are they saying that's the preferred ratio right. though? Ooh. That's not uh, <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they picked that that uh very pedestrian illustration was the original um cover and then the record label or somebody was like, "No, this can't this can't be it. There's got to be a different cover or no one will buy this." And so they put out this version that's like another really horrible illustration of Bob Dylan on stage. And it's like, okay, I'm going to try to describe it. It's like if you drew a person and then cut it in half at like the waistline and then put a guitar in where you cut it in half. So there's like Bob Dylan looks freakishly tall. Like he has like three pelvises or something. Yeah, He looks like a scare scarecrow, but it's like in a Monet style. Yeah. Yeah. Also really terrible. Not a good Monet. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. And 
completely nonsense. Like, has nothing to do with the subject matter either. No. But I guess they were like, that's a selling point. You know, like, oh, <laughs> right. this, this is going to look like a Bob Dylan album uh, right. and people will buy it now. That might have been a thing. Like after the initial release, some publicist somewhere was like, Bobby, you know, this is too Christian. You can't have like all these hands of God and stuff. No, you just put a regular cover on the album. We're going to sell it, <laughs> sell it at the store. No, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. That is what happened. Um, oh, is <laughs> so let, cool. Let's talk about what it was like for us to listen to this album every day for a week. And let's talk about feelings you had as, as the week went on. Matt, what was it like to listen to this every day for a week for you? Um, well, it started, uh, it, the, it really is like one-to-one correlational with how I feel about the album track by track, too. Uh, it starts off uh, slow and boring, and uh, I was not interested in it the first day. The second day, I picked up and actually threw a good chunk of it. I was still kind of coming off down in the groove, and I was really appreciating. So there's some really good songs in here, I think. But then by around track in day five and six, I was just kind of like, man, I want this to be over. It was hard to start the album. It was like by the last third of the album and the last like third of the week I listened to it. I just wanted it to be over. Uh, it, I forget about the album immediately after listening to it. So it just felt like a huge waste of time. It felt like lost time to listen to it, you know? Mm. And uh, by the end of the listen, uh, by the end of the week, I'm not sure I have anything to show for it. And uh, <laughs> that's how I feel about the album, too. Yes, nobody wins here, man. <laughs> um, as as mentioned earlier, a uh, the Down in the Groove album was was hard to listen to. I think that was a a great way to start this all off because it did represent just just how monumentally bad an album can be. This one, on the other hand, is fun to listen to, uh, especially the first half of it. I've uh, I don't know if if uh, if you guys had uh, vinyl copies or tapes or were just streaming it, but uh, side one tracks uh, a satisfied mind through solid rock. I actually enjoyed listening to. Um, and uh, yeah, side one is distinctly better than side two. But we'll get into I, that later. I, I agree. But also for me personally, as you guys know, but uh, you, the listener, may not know that uh, I grew up in a pretty devoutly christian environment myself so it is no issue for me to uh to just bypass the hokiness of any overt christian content and really uh, just enjoy this song and for what it is at the time like the song saved itself was about as is a funky of a song as i think bob had ever done by 1980 you know it was pretty fun I guess I was I was pleasantly surprised that I that I really actually liked this album because frankly I had never listened to it before and had ignored it for years and years. And, As uh, most people probably should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I mean it's a Venn diagram of who can tolerate Christian music and who likes Bob Dylan that who will really appreciate this music. Justin, wasn't it your first concert DC Talk? Am I right about that? That's correct. In 1999, the Supernatural tour. Are you down with the DC talk, Justin? I'm always I'm just curious. Always down with the DC talk. DC talk and newsboys, and I used to have 
all the all the all the wow compilations. Oh wow! I'm down with the uh, with some with some church jams. Did you ever answer what your first uh, concert was, Nick? The first concert I can remember is Sting, and it oh, was like, oh, damn, that's that's a good one. It was like Sting, like. I don't really remember it. It was like Fields of Gold era sting, like kind of like smooth, soft rock. Would he come play at the fair or something? It was. I think it was at the amphitheater in Kansas City. Matt was what? What was your first concert? Matt? Oh man, my first couple concerts were dope. My first one was Moby. Yeah, which, yeah. yeah. Know, sorry guys, yeah. sorry you can't yeah, be as cool yeah. as me. <laughs> but uh, legitimately cool. My second concert I ever went to was a Weird Al Yankovic concert, oh, and man. that one was oh. awesome. Like actually awesome. How was yeah. Moby, Matt? What was your memory of the Moby concert? Um, I thought I was okay. This is funny because I can't. Remember. I was probably like thirteen, and uh, you know, first concert and everything. I thought it was awesome. I thought he was a rock star, and also I thought I was at a very adult rave as well. Um, I thought I was really seeing the inside of like drug culture and, uh, <laughs> um, all the ravey sort of techno scene things. And I later on, uh, now upon recollecting and being an adult, it was full of a lot of other 13 year olds and their parents and <laughs> like maybe a smattering of hippie types that were smoking a dube out in the parking lot. Nice. And... Yeah, it was not nearly as cool and rock starish as I uh, thought it was. I thought it was way cool, and I still like Moby. I'm not uh, backing away from Moby there. I like Moby, but yeah, Moby's all right. I mean, there was a particular moment where Play the Moby album was like huge. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. That uh, um, that song he did with Gwen Stefani was a was a big deal there for a few years. Yeah, I can still see Gwen Stefani licking Moby's head from that music video. <laughs> Speaking of Gwen Stefani licking Moby's head, uh, I think I'll share my experience of the week <laughs> listening to Saved. Um, on day one, I woke up from a dream that the three of us got baptized in a shopping mall in celebration of Saved Week. And I wanted to ask you guys if you've ever been baptized. Yes. I've... I was baptized when I was like a baby. I've I've never had the voluntary baptism. I was also baptized as a kid, and I don't remember it at all. I think I was baptized, but I honestly have no recollection of it, and I have no idea if I actually have. Who knows? Uh, but maybe we should go get baptized again in honor of... Uh, the Bob Dylan 1980 classic Saved. Uh, day one, I overall enjoyed the listen, um, though side two felt I started immediately noticing that side two was boring. Day two, I really enjoyed the listen. Day three, I was still enjoying it, but starting to notice the lack of dynamics. Um, day four, and this is consistent with my track of uh down in the groove was that i woke up with covenant woman or one of the with with down in the groove it was silvio stuck in my head um and it's not good music and i don't want it to be stuck in my head (laughs) and that day i just was really not in the mood for a christian bob dylan album and couldn't bring myself to put it on i put it on once or even twice i think and turned it off and then (laughs) back to it later um 
and then yeah, just day five, day six, really, really begrudging listens. Um, and then day seven, I sort of had a breakthrough and I put it on while drunk later that night on purpose for an additional listen. And it was great, wow. honestly. And that's something, uh, I didn't do, which I think, uh, I will now make sure to do from now on, on these listens is like, listen to it sober the first two or three times, but make sure you get one boozy listen in there. Cause I bet you these would have slapped if I had some, some booze in me. After you're familiar with the songs a little more so, yeah, but maybe not before you know them well. Yeah, you want to get, I want to familiarize myself with it for a couple days at least, but make sure, I listen to them, so I, I had to listen to it at the beginning of the day, every day, for me to really get through them. I knew that if I waited and put it off, I was going to somehow make it to where I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't get to it, so... Maybe I'll just need to get drunk in the morning next time. Justin, what time of day were you listening? Uh, in the evenings. Uh, I listen to music at work pretty much all day in my headphones. But uh, for the purposes of this podcast, I have not listened to the album of the week while at work. I've made sure to have my listen be in the evening when I'm at home and undistracted and can have a fully engaged listening experience. Uh, so in the eve- in the nice. evening, um, I've, I've really enjoyed, despite, you know, um, some of this stuff being exceptionally bad and, and yes, like difficult to bring yourself to commit to listening to this album all the way through, not just this album, but any of these albums we're going to explore is that we've all listen to Bob Dylan and could probably consider ourselves Dylan fans at the very least. Some of us maybe even like Dylan nerds. Some of um, us, Justin. Well, you know, me. <laughs> but uh, but to be, li- <laughs> to, to be hearing Bob Dylan and hearing like songs that I've never heard before. I think there's more Dylan content that I don't know which is just kind of mind-blowing to me than the stuff that I know well. It's like the unexplored bottom of the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There's no telling what's down in there. All the trash and everything falls down into and all the bottom feeders live. Yeah, That's like Bob Dylan's uh, saved right there. Great analogy. Great analogy. Uh, Let's go track by track and talk about this album. Uh, starting with none other than song one, A Satisfied Mind. Despite being under two minutes, this is an exhausting and very unnecessary cover of an old country <laughs> song. What do you think of this song, Justin Hickerson? I would agree that it's uh, unnecessary, but um, I do believe as the album plays out, I think he's wanting it to <laughs> honestly to be like a church service. And so this would be a way a church service opens, I suppose. I'm of the opinion that sharing artistic ideas across cultures is generally a good thing, but this song feels a little bit like cultural appropriation in a bad way. I don't think that 
cultural appropriation was even a relevant term in 1980, and it wouldn't have been considered and was actually commonplace, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. It's been commonplace for hundreds of years, unfortunately. Like, all the foundation of rock and roll music is built on the the work of black people. Right. So... But this is definitely a, a, a prime, exact example of cultural appropriation right here in Bob Dylan's music. Um, I agree. In my notes, I have, uh, it sounds like Bob took a song, took the other vocals out, or sang over the vocals that were there, and just replaced them. And I think that's basically what you guys are saying, too. My biggest qualm, that's a big qualm. My biggest qualm with this is more so that I don't like when well-to-do... So the song is about how money doesn't fulfill you or make you happy, and he's much more rich. There's actually a line, but I'm richer by far with a satisfied mind. Do you think he got rid of his money once he was rich in soul? Did he, like... He kept his wealth. I hate. I don't like it when rich people say, "Oh, but money uh, doesn't solve all your problems. It doesn't, uh, you know, save your life or anything." Well, live without money for a while and tell me how you feel. Uh, if you if that opinion still holds up, I don't like it when rich people tell me money isn't the answer to all their problems. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's my main gripe with it. I can I can concur with you on that. One hundred percent. And besides that, I also just felt like I was walking through thick mud listening to the song. The the tempo and everything about it just like makes it feel much longer than its two odd minute track length. It's under two minutes, but it, it oh. yeah, it feels it feels bad, and it's actually really unrepresentative of what you're in for on this album because yeah, it feels really different and. Uh, I think it's the only one that's a cover on this whole album. Am I right about that? Uh, I got the Wikipedia up here, and I thought track two... Uh, oh, well, Tim Drummond and Bob Dylan did the second one. You know, there are other uh, albums that do that, too, that I like a lot more. Uh, my favorite album, though, that's like that is uh, Neil Young's Trans, which is also not one of his highest-rated albums. That would be included in a... Neil Young version of this podcast, but I love that album and that and first Neil song. Dumb. Neil Dumb, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, the first track on that is like a very standard uh, Neil Young song, and then it goes weird, uh, fake techno for the whole rest of the album. But I love that album. Yeah, I do too. Hold Completely on. unlike album. Saved. I've uh, hold on one second. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I was pulling out. I've got a copy of Trans right here, too. It came out in 1982, two years later. And that uh, that mm. is an exceptional album. And this would have been a parallel universe for Neil Young um, at that point in his career. Because, uh, like you said, Trans was definitely a far stray as... Uh, contemporary Christian Bob Dylan was at the similar time, you know? Yeah. A lot of these old folk folkies did not know how to handle this new future they found themselves in. <laughs> Some yeah. of them resorted to uh, cocaine and electronic music, and <laughs> others <laughs> others got saved. <laughs> so. Yeah, and in Neil Young's uh, example here, it seems like he's explicitly trying to trick you, too. Like... 
Oh yeah, he it's got the guitar that, riff uh, from Harvest Moon in there. That's a uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only love gives you love. the blues. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's this, a great, uh, I wish we were talking about that album. We could we could talk about that album for a second. Did you know that that album uh, was uh, was actually made for his son, who has? A, yes, I did. Okay, he, you're, you're you're familiar with the history of that well, album, though, because if taken, uh, I, mean, I I always enjoyed the album, but it, once I learned kind of the history of and surrounding that album, I liked it even more. Also heard that in addition to uh, write, making this record for his son, it was mostly written and recorded with him and Crazy Horse. And then, like midway through production of it, he uh, got it into his head that he was going to make it uh, like music his son was listening to, or like his son connected with him on. And he just started right. stripping Crazy Horse parts out and putting the weird techno electronic stuff in its place. And oh wow, it might be why it sounds so. St- Strange and bizarre, but uh, in the best way possible, in my opinion. Right. Trans was, yeah, because so Dylan had his three Christian albums, and then, and then around the same time, Neil Young, in, in chronological order, did, and maybe not in this order, but Trans, Reactor, and what was his other really off the off the wall album oh the rock the rockabilly one everybody's shaking (laughs) or something like that yeah that's right oh man those other two didn't hold up as well as trans in my opinion but what do you guys think about the title the title track saved yeah, this is a full-on gospel song about how Bob Dylan is happy that he's been saved. Uh, a lot of very literal interpretations of the Bible, <coughs> Bible in this song, and actually a lot of the lyrics are just word for word from the Bible. <laughs> um, but it, it honestly, this song kind of shreds. Uh, it, it's a good. It's like a, It's actually a kind of a good song. It's one of the high points. Um, and if you want to know what this song sounds like, imagine the movie Sister Act, <laughs> but with Bob Dylan instead of Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've heard the, you actually have heard Saved by imagining that. Um, my favorite part of this song, uh, everything else is very, once again, cliche. It sounds just like uh, they put Bob Dylan in a... And someone else's gospel song, but I love that little picky part on the left side of the track. Uh, you won't know if you haven't heard the album, you don't know what I'm talking about. But maybe pull it up just to hear that little part because it's it's pretty good. That's what I. That's the only comment I have about. I had such a hard time trying to think of things to say about most of these tracks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I think about that. 
Oh, I liked it. He's clearly a only only just saved. Only only very recently been saved. He doesn't go very uh, <laughs> yeah very very deep into the uh, metaphor well. Yeah, not much depth. No, to it. has relegated himself to repeating over and over again. I've been saved by the blood of the lamb, and I'm so <laughs> glad. I want to also. Thank you, Lord. It sounds like whenever he goes. Whenever he goes into those uh, soulful hums, it sounds like they shove the microphone straight up in his nose. (laughs) It does. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about Covenant Woman. This is a song about how Bob Dylan is grateful for a woman, except he's grateful to Jesus and not to her. (laughs) He He says... He must have loved me a lot to send someone as fine as you. <laughs> no credit which, to the woman. Yeah. <laughs> right. It takes all agency away from the covenant woman. Like, yeah, you're fine, but really I have Jesus to thank. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so misguided and I'm not uh, I can't speak for women obviously, but if someone thought that of me in our relationship, like man, thank I really appreciate Kevin for huh. meeting ch- hooking me up with my wife right now. Just like <laughs> that would, that, that would piss me off, you know, that would really I would have a problem with that and I don't know if this is probably not about a real woman, but Yeah, uh, he, he, also his love for this woman is very contingent on her contract with the lord as <laughs> he the says covenant yeah it's a, his yeah. covenant woman <laughs> yeah. uh i didn't like this track very much i mean i liked it uh musically but this and track one uh, lyric wise i was just like fuck off yeah there's some weird lyrics he says i know i can trust you to stay the way you are <laughs> that's weird <laughs> he also says uh he also says covenant woman Intimate little girl. Oh, oh. yeah. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Intimate little girl? <laughs> Stop. Uh, uh. Yeah. I, I wasn't able to uh, to really absorb much of the lyrical content because I was so blinded blinded by the organ solos in this song. Yeah, uh, actually it's a decent song. It's got it's got some good moments. It's uh it's got a good vibe, but honestly, Bob's vocal performance, if you break it down, is very bad. Yeah, this is about the time that he vocally is starting to really lose it. His vocal cords are not not firing the way they used to, and he's still trying pretty hard on this album. Though. I just got to tell you. By the end of the 80s, he just can't sing at all anymore. So, yeah. Okay, did we get this wrong? Okay, I'm looking at, maybe you're on the same way. I'm looking at the lyrics, and the lyrics is listed here. Covenant woman, intimate little girl. Someone's correcting it down here. Covenant woman, in the middle, little girl. Which does which makes no more sense. No. In the middle, no. I like no, it better covenant, than there's, a, there's you, me, and, and the Lord. So she's in the in the middle. Or someone's in the middle. It's kind of a kinky thing. Well, on the Bob Dylan webs on BobDylan.com, it says, Covenant Woman, Intimate Little Girl. Okay, well then, that would, that would be the authority, I guess. <laughs> well, that's gross, Bob. Although, that is also another thing that uh, 
lots of songs did back in that day that didn't seem strange. Like I'm thinking of uh, Why Don't You Come With Me, Little Girl, on a Magic Carpet Ride. <laughs> That's a bad lyric, too. Yeah. And no one, oh. I've never seen anyone really uh, call that one out for sounding disgusting. Yeah. That's rough. It's too bad because I like that song too, but every time he says that line and I get a, a shudder a little bit. Also, I'm thinking of Bruce Springsteen and Hank Williams a lot. Yeah. Saying like, daddy, I'm your daddy, little girl. That kind of shit. Oh, no, yeah. Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all well, so that's that's not out of uh, bad. That's not in bad taste for the time, but certainly did not hold up well now. No, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and next up, we have "What Can I Do for You." Yeah, what can I do for you? <laughs> this song, it was like he had an idea, a lyrical idea for a song, just made a whole song on it without really elaborating much more you understand what i mean yeah how many times does he say what can i do for you in this song yeah yeah throughout this entire song i ask myself really like he says you explained every mystery and in my head i'm like did he is that yeah i I noticed that wait go ahead he also says you've done it all and there is nothing more anyone can pretend to do really (laughs) he kind of left us with a completely vague and disjointed uh, section of text that is contradictory to itself plenty of places, and it didn't go on to explain, like, oh, hey, this is how germs work, or this is how electricity kind of works. Maybe you guys could (laughs) better yourself. There's still plenty of mysteries, let's be honest. (laughs) He did not give us much, honestly, but Bob seems to be very satisfied with, with the content given to him. Yeah, there's another there's another lyric where he says, "I know all about poison. I know all about fiery darts." <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, this one yeah. is lyrically baffling. It's not. It doesn't make me angry like the other ones do, but it does just baffle me completely. Yeah. Also, his singing. Uh, I mean, honestly, the band sounds great, and especially the drummer is kind of killing it. Um, but the singing sounds very uncorrelated to the key of the song. Like it almost sounds like he just couldn't couldn't hear anything in his headphones and was just singing anyway. That's another thing to say about this album as a whole is that the chorus singing, like the band and the chorus singing are all really good. All the chorus work, I, uh, give, I'm give, i giving them an A-plus on that. Yeah, for real. The back backup singers are way better on this album. I mean, it's weird that we're comparing this album to Down in the Groove, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, the backup singers are good on this compared to that, for sure. And the other thing about this song that just bugs me too is like, he says, like, you've given us every, you've wiped away every mystery, whatever. But then asking, what can I do for you? If he was reading the material, he would have a pretty good idea. There's the Ten Commandments, and there's plenty of times where Jesus or someone speaking for him is like, do this specifically. <laughs> and uh, 
he didn't he didn't get he didn't read those parts i guess because he's still <laughs> completely unsure of how to go about living the best christian life on this one <laughs> uh okay let's talk about solid rock uh this is track five the last track on side a of the record um this song actually rips this is definitely the high point of the album for me and I would it's agree all with downhill that. after this <laughs> the song I, I think it's kind of a double entendre being called solid rock as the title but the song itself is a rocker is rocking and uh at the time in 1980 as far as i know I think maybe a band called Petra was the only real act that was associating uh, Christian music oh, no. as a, as rock and roll music, and so this would have actually been rather edgy at the time to have a a rock and roll Christian song, Bob. Sure. Yeah. Everything about this. Uh, this is like when I was talking about the. Uh the general week-to-week feeling mood section where I was like, man, halfway through, it was feeling good, like I was on a high point. Uh, this really sets you up to be like, oh, man, maybe maybe this is a pretty good album. You know, I got problems with the other tracks, but this one is, you know, like you guys said, ripping. Uh, but it lets you down. It really lets you down the rest of the album. This one is the high point for sure. The delay or reverb on the guitar just sounds so good. This song is actually really good. And I can't pick apart anything that makes me angry about the lyrics. It's just still a little cliche, you know, Christian rhetoric, but uh, he doesn't say anything that, you know, makes me mad or takes agency away from anyone else. He just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's talk about pressing on. Um, this is an exhaustingly long ballad about guess what? Jesus. <laughs> um, I really liked the, uh, the, what the backup singers are doing. In fact, I don't know, this isn't really a thing, but it, maybe I'll make it a thing. Uh, last one I gave an award for goofiest Bob Dylan sound. I'm giving this song an award for the chorus singers. This is the best chorus, uh, singer part in the whole album for me, except for the ones that sound like painful <laughs> wailings. Yeah, this is the point in the album where I start to feel sleepy (laughs) every time I'm like, sleepy? Um, Bob does sound very drunk. I don't know if he is, but he's really slurring his words. It's really hard to tell what he's saying. Uh, and a lot of the backing vocals are ripping it, but kind of to a point of absurdity. They're just like, if you re- listen to it on headphones, there's just like an insane amount of vocal wailing at the, for the last like three minutes of the song. Yeah. Yeah. He's and really. Kind of, they're panned left and right, and it's kind of <laughs> maddening if you pay attention. To it. <laughs> I'm curious if he didn't have his like hands up in the air you know how people at church do when they sing there at the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> calling yeah. up my lord i bet he did <laughs> and, uh, this yeah. one also somebody's the... just going to fucking town on the kick drum it's just like <laughs> near the end the kick drum is just going all out 
Uh, in the uh, the verse when he says in that first verse, I don't know why, but the lyric where he says, uh, "Say, prove to me that he is Lord. Show me a sign. What kind of sign they need? Would it all come within?" It's like a a classic, like kinda, accidentally honest, accidentally honest, and kind of like dismissing, like show me some proof. Like there's no proof. It's all about the faith, you know, and that kind of rhetoric, like a classic, like non-answer but i'm still right show me a sign like i don't have to show you anything i'm i'm christian i know it jesus love me (laughs) (laughs) what kind of sign they need when it all come within is just basically saying i make this up and i'm right (laughs) i'm right i read i read (laughs) it in the bible ever heard of it (laughs) if this thing i made up isn't good enough for you well then too bad i'm right this is a Real major tangent, but um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite YouTube videos is Donald Trump being asked uh, to name his favorite Bible quote because <laughs> Trump often says that the Bible is his favorite book. Yeah, and uh, somebody's like, "Hey, what's your favorite uh, passage? Could you name anything?" And he's like, uh, "I like I like it all." And <laughs> I like it all like, is just a terrific any, any book. moments yeah. from the Bible that. <laughs> yeah, any, ma- any passages you could cite that have been really meaningful to you, Donald Trump? And he's like, I, I just, I like it all. And they're like, uh, are you more of a Old Testament or New Testament kind of guy? And he's like, uh, I like them equal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Old Testament guy or New Testament guy? Uh, probably equal. I think it's just an incredible, the whole Bible is an incredible. I joke uh, very much so. They always hold up the art of the deal. I say my second favorite book of all time. But uh, I just think the Bible is just something very special. You couldn't even just spout out the first words to something everyone knows, like for God right. so loved the world. Like I don't know a yeah. bunch of Bible verses, but I can tell you. I can a couple do all things. things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the revelations when they when they come and they destroy the enemies. They destroy the people. I think Revelations is a wonderful book. really good Trump impression, buddy. It's really good. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of Donald Trump, let's talk about track seven, In the Garden. This uh, (laughs) is definitely the worst song on this album. (laughs) It's... The chord progression is just miserable. It's like... Yeah. They're trying to do this, like, thing where um, it's like a key change. Like, in a good country song, there'll be, like, a key change about two minutes in, and it, like bumps up the energy of the song um the song i'm thinking of that does this really well is why'd you come in here looking like that by dolly parton um there's Mm -hmm. like a moment like three minutes in where it just kicks into the next gear Um, but this song is just like kicking into the next gear every 10 seconds or so. And it's like just constantly like ascending and yeah. it feels really I, I, bad. I it's, it's way too much of a good thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's definitely supposed to be the big emotional climax of the, of the album here. It's just boring. It's it, also six minutes long. It does yeah. not need to be six minutes long. It could be half that. 
<laughs> and so much of it is just repeating the same thing too for those six minutes. I I absolutely hate this Ooh. song. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> hate this song. <laughs> This is as it's you, so as exhausting you, at a really critical moment <laughs> in the album where it's like already really boring. The last song is really long and boring. Yeah, yeah I've definitely already begun to tune out at this point, and this song doesn't uh, do anything to hook me back in. And and when I listen, the last few times I listened to it, the chord progression that you talk about and the way it bumps up every ten seconds, it almost begins to sound a musical to me. Yeah, it's got like a circusy vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, it is not pleasurable to uh, have to listen to every day for a week. I don't want to talk about I, this one anymore. I, I, I'm just now pulling up to like look at the lyrics to this song for the first time, and right, they're exactly what I thought they would look like. It's just long and a whole bunch of question marks to rhetorical questions, really. Though, however, it is worth noting that he does reference Nicodemus, the Pharisee, in this uh, song. So one could assume that Bob is at least somewhat familiar with a Bible story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, indicates some elementary knowledge of the, the actual Bible. Right, right. So let's talk about track eight, Saving Grace. This is another song about Jesus. <laughs> this is where I couldn't possibly write any more notes. We have a note. I have a personal note log, and also we got our public notes that we share and I didn't make it past the last song on either of those note-taking. Um, I just could, at this point, I wasn't even hearing the album anymore. Yeah, the melody is hard to follow. It's sort of sluggish and boring, and already we're in a critically boring part of the album after a six-minute tragedy in, in the garden. Um, and it's hard to hang on to anything. Yep. I can't. I have nothing to say about this one. I just don't care about it. This, uh, yeah, this song is terrible. On day three, my first, my first note, note number one for this is boring. <laughs> boring. I like whatever effect is on the guitars during the brief solo. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got one more song. Are you ready? And this is like, I actually think Saving Grace is like good compared to Are You Ready? Um, this is like peak white guy blues rock song. Yeah. Um, Dylan asking if we're ready for the rapture. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you where you ought to be? Will he know when he sees you? Or will he say, depart from me? <laughs> <laughs> and about 80% of all the words in the song is either am I ready or are you ready? <laughs> it's true. It's totally boring. Just like like Stevie Ray Vaughan divided by 10. Like just boring blue. <laughs> 
I'm ready for the album to be over, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, exactly. Every time I heard this song, it's like, I just can't wait for this to be over. It's so tedious. I think when we listen to this together on this track, near the beginning, all of us uh, independently gave one of those like, <sighs> just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really wanting it to be over. Yeah, side B of this album is just a real garbage fire. <laughs> Am I ready to lay down my life for the brethren and take up my cross? Have I surrendered to the will of God? Or am I still acting like the boss? <laughs> am, am I ready? Hope I'm ready. <laughs> um, I like that, too, because it's like there's a talk of the brethren. And then just another two verses later, he says, are you thinking for yourself? Or are you following the pack? So which is it? Is it uh, thinking for yeah, yourself? Yeah, which is the better thing there? <laughs> well, are you thinking for yourself and joining the brethren at the same time? Is the brethren not a type of pack? Whoa, 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 whoa. I think you're digging t- even deeper than than Bob intended you to here in this uh, this. I expect. This <laughs> I fully expect I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're thinking, you're really thinking for yeah. yourself here, man. Well, you got all well. these questions here? Listen, Bob's the one asking the questions here, all right? And he is under the authority of, of our Savior. He's been saved. Have yeah. you not been listening to this album? <laughs> you know what the answer is? Matt, you are not ready. <laughs> I don't think I am. <laughs> Bob Dylan is here as a representative of number one main god, homophobic jock god. <laughs> Jealous homophobic <laughs> jock god. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about some uh, Amazon reviews. I pulled this up. I've got a. I'm ready for this. That's good. We can also. Okay, yeah, we can do that. I'm going to start, and forgive me if you guys have already gotten this one, but Amazon user Justin Martin writes that enduring this album is like getting your teeth drilled with aspirin as the only anesthetic administered. (laughs) Here's one. I didn't write down the name, but. I might be born again, but I wasn't born again yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Frank L. Macias says, Never seen a performer as powerful as Bob Dylan. Maybe Paul Butterfield, Mike Bloomfield. <laughs> Only ones I can think of. <laughs> who, who are those people? And I refuse to Google them. I will not find out who Paul Butterfield and Mike Bloomfield are. <laughs> Here's one. Uh, this is a 1.0 out of 5 stars. Uh, the title is Worth the Price, in a sense. Uh, the review goes, If you're buying this, you've probably already drained Dylan down to the dregs. Uh, <laughs> saved makes... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, saved makes self-portraits look like Highway 61 revisited. As music or poetry or whatever one usually enjoys in Dylan, it's certainly not worth the vinyl it's recorded on. But as a biography, and especially as a joke, it's just about worth the retail price. I bought the cassette and have never begrudged the money I shelled out, since the album is always good for a laugh. (laughs) So good. I had that one pulled up, too. (laughs) This is user Smitty2112 says, 
makes me want to shoot myself a little. <laughs> I saw that one. This is a short one, too. Oh, God's man. fallen on hard times, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Um, <laughs> um, here's a, here's a two-star one. I've got nothing against being born again. I'm a Christian myself, although probably a less dogmatic one than Dylan. But really, Bob comes across on this record like the town drunk pigeonholing you in a bar, shoving his whiskey-soaked breath in your face and yelling, Have you been saved? At you. (laughs) See Patti Smith's Wave or Van Morrison's Into the Music or Slow Train Coming, for that matter, for records that explore an awakening religious experience with subtlety and intelligence. (laughs) That's not how they feel about this album, though. Yeah, no, this is this album is the musical equivalent of being accosted in the airport and being asked whether you're going to heaven or not when you die. <laughs> so Justin, what were your three adjectives? Yeah. Sincere uh, slash deliberate. So we'll just use those as one. And then cheesy sure. and then de accelerating. It's like it's <laughs> deflating. Like De-accelerating. Yeah, It yeah. kicks off. It's really fun at first, but by the end of it, it's like, God, just get it over with. Man, this is bad. <sighs> yeah. yeah. And the songs on side two are all like five, six minutes long. It's so exhausting. Matt, what are your adjectives to describe 1980 classic Saved by Bob Dylan? <laughs> I have forgettable, cliche, and ham-fisted. <laughs> ham-fisted? Yeah, ham-fisted. I'm, I'm really. I wish I could have thought of ham-fisted myself because that is the exact word. Uh, mine are preachy because he's just really sucking up to a higher being. Blatant, yeah. which is basically synonymous with ham-fisted, and self-righteous. Um, it smells of the mm. kind of judgment that my very religious family very obviously have towards me, a heathen, um, <laughs> implying that I'm <laughs> worthy of dismissal if I don't adhere to the doctrine. <laughs> and I'd agree with their assessment <laughs> of you personally. I would recommend this album to you if you're interested in the musical equivalent of being forced to go to church yeah. on Easter. If you love being preached at, uh, you might like this album. Yeah. Uh, Justin Hickerson, would you recommend... I, I've got two questions for you. Firstly, would you recommend this album to someone? And the second question is, are you a Christian now? Oh. Well... The answer, to answer your first question, yes, I actually would recommend this album. It was a pleasant surprise, despite its overtly uh, religious content in the lyrics. Um, but especially the first uh, top half of the album, it's just fun. So, sure, why not? I'll endorse this album. Uh, to answer your second question, um, no. I have not been moved spiritually by this album. <laughs> okay, Nick. So, um, would you recommend this album? And are you now Christian? I would recommend this album to anybody that can tolerate being preached at, uh, who is also interested in exploring weird Bob Dylan albums, which is maybe one person I know. 
I don't know. I didn't. I if it came up in conversation and it was already somebody who I thought would be open-minded to to this kind of thing, maybe I would. Am I a Christian now? No, I don't think so. I don't think I've been moved. I don't think I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. But we should go get baptized in honor of this podcast. <laughs> Matt, what about you? Would you recommend this album? And secondly, are you a Christian now? Um, I would say don't waste your time. I'm going to go opposite you guys here. I would say no. I don't think there's really, uh, there isn't enough in here to spend your time, your 45 odd minutes uh, of your life to, to know what this album is. But I would say that, yes, absolutely, I'm a Christian now. Everything I do now is filtered through a Christian lens. Every good thing that happens to me in life now, I'm thanking God instead of the original source of that good thing. And uh, every and I'm looking at things much more simply. It's a much more black and white world, and I appreciate that. And uh, if you don't believe me, uh, I don't need to prove it to you because it's all coming from within. That's the great thing about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is you don't have to prove anything. Nope. It's all faith-based. And uh, it's all a test. You're being constantly tested uh, by having a world that doesn't look anything like the world described in the Bible, uh, but still believing in something like fairy tales anyway. So I'm definitely a Christian now, as you can tell. And thank you, Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob, for making Matt a Christian. Uh, and thanks for listening to Bad Dylan, the modern atheist experience. <laughs> uh, guys, I will see you in church. Yeah, hey, uh, I feel obligated to say that maybe if you like the podcast, hit subscribe and give us a good review. And if you don't like it, give us a bad review, because that, that'll be interesting, too. <laughs> and also, stay tuned for for next month's or next... Are we doing these going to be released weekly or monthly? Who knows, honestly. There's literally no way of us knowing. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, why don't you go ahead and also stay tuned... For our upcoming episode where we will endure uh, the other side of the decade again. And we're going to listen to Bob Dylan under the red sky and give it a, uh, a wonderful listen. This one uh, on the sticker I'm looking at here has with special appearances by David Crosby, George Harrison, Bruce Hornsby, Elton John, Al Cooper, Slash, Jimmy and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And uh, Don was and more. A lot so, to look forward to there. Don was a real a real party uh, album. This one, so yeah, I'm sure I, it's going to be a really good music. Yeah, I can't wait to hear all those popular musicians suck. It's sure to be a real yeah. roller coaster. <laughs> that, that mix of people can't be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how Elton John and Slash got along. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) And if I if I could plug something real quick uh, on our way out, uh, go check out Moby's. I think he released uh, something recently, and I bet it's pretty good. Go check it out. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah. Check out Moby. Check out Bob Dylan. Um, Check out Neil Young. 
Listen to music. Listen to music. Check out Spotify. Check out Neil Young. Bob Dylan's uh, Bob Dylan's new album uh, debuted on a. Uh, huh. <laughs> no, it's like we were we were listening. <laughs> Do you want to finish your thought, buddy? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have. I have no idea what's going on. Wow, another incredible episode of Bad Dylan. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, why not take a moment to write us a good review on your podcast thing? If you want to support the podcast directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash baddylanpodcast. Thanks a bunch, and God bless. In Jesus' name, I do hereby say, Amen.